welcome to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I'm your host, John Allen, also known as Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, is my co-host and producer... Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And our Technomage, Ren. Hello! Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. They can find us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at the Area51H, as well as by searching for Area 51 and a Half on Facebook. So... Kitties, last night I saw Renfeld. And how was it? This is the, here's the problem I'm having with movies these days. First of all, let me just say it's enjoyable. All right. Really liked it. It was fun to watch. Right. It's not spectacular. There is, was so much potential for this movie to have been spectacular. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to issue a spoiler alert. Um, it's a fun watch. Nicolas Cage as Dracula is everything. Oh, I bet he would be. Not a spoiler alert per se, but I loved the techno things that they did that actually made it look like Nicholas Hult and Nicholas Cage were in the old Bella Lugosi Dracula, those scenes that they did. It was phenomenal. And it's amazing how much Nicholas Cage actually looks like Bella Lugosi. That's so cool. Yeah. I actually didn't realize they did a scene like that. That's Yeah. Uh, they did a couple scenes because it's all about uh, Renfield's backstory and the history, right? So Universal ties it into the Todd Browning um, Dracula. Oh, that's cool. And, we, and there's even this little Easter egg. There's a character on the police force and his badge says Browning. And I'm like, that's, that's not a coincidence. They totally did that yeah. as an homage to Todd Browning. But it, it's just one of those things where we, we're seeing this Nick movie after movie after movie missed opportunity the potential is there they this thing doesn't lean heavy enough in the horror it doesn't lean heavy enough in the comedy but it leans a lot into like the whole john wick kind of fight scenes right and i'm just like okay the, the smart thing is it's only an hour and a half what i saw from what i saw in the trailers it looks super stylish which i'm all for it i is. will watch nicholas cage do anything i don't care what it listen, is listen i'll tell you what what they really, the outstanding things were uh, makeup, costume, set design, like production design. That's all great. Mm -hmm. But the story itself is basic. Um, it's, it is fun. You're going to have fun watching it. Please go see it. You know, like, let's, let's have some hit movies. This thing should be doing better than it is. But it's, it's kind of like the Dungeons and Dragons movie. It could have been so much better. So, with Nicholas Holt playing Renfield, there's now been quite a few different actors over the years that have played Renfield. And one of the things I kind of like about it is that each actor, it's one of those roles that each actor can put their own spin on it. Yeah. Um, and just so our aliens know, I played Dracula and you played Renfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had a ton of fun doing that. We had some really cool fight scenes. And... We did have some cool fight scenes. That was a great production of... Uh, that I adapted from the novel, and that Dr. Elizabeth Miller from the Transylvania Society of Dracula, she's a professor of Gothic literature emeritus, yeah. she came in to um, workshop with us, and she gave this wonderful seal of approval to my production, where she said it was the most faithful adaptation she'd ever seen. Yeah, I remember that. That was so cool. Yeah, I, I still, I haven't seen it. I want to go see it. I don't know if I'm going to go see it in theater or not, but we'll see. Yeah, I suggest you do see it in theater. Yeah. I think that there's something about seeing it on the big screen, which is how movies are meant to be seen with the fight scenes and all of that, the glory. I mean, what was really cool about the the recreation of the Bela Lugosi scenes was the fact that they letterboxed it. Oh, that's so cool. You know, so... You know, because that's how you would view it now uh, yeah. in, in some cases. So, I did finally get to see John Wick 4. Yeah. It was a John Wick movie. Yeah. <laughs> really not much else you can say about it. Redfield was a John Wick movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Kind of. Kind of. But anyway, um, on that note, it is time for Nick's Pop Culture Roundup. So this week on the Roundup, I'm going to talk a little bit about Picard. Now, at this point, I'm going to talk about the most recent episode, so I am going to issue that spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, now that's out of the way. 
This season of Picard has been the most fan service fan service I have ever seen. It has been absolutely fantastic. And seeing this most recent episode as a Star Trek fan nearly brought me to tears. So just, just, just so we're all caught up to speed at this point, the Borg has taken over Starfleet completely. And all that's left is... You know, I haven't actually seen this, right? Well, we'll get you caught up. Um, <laughs> it's do, funny. Do, do, do you want to leave the room while I, while I talk? <laughs> yeah, I might do that because it's... <laughs> I just realized we issued a spoiler alert for the our alien listeners, but I haven't actually seen this and I don't want to be spoiled. Okay, get out. <laughs> All right, now that John has left because he hasn't, you know, caught up with the rest of the world... <laughs> um. Just talking about Picard overall, the first season was really good, but it was really just a continuation of Picard's life. The second season kind of blew, but it was a lot more of the same thing, a lot more of the past coming back. And season three has the same themes of everything going first full circle, the past coming back to us, all that stuff. But it's so much better because this feels like a legit continuation of the next generation which fantastic but in this last week's episode they the, the borg has taken over starfleet and the next generation crew has escaped and they have to find a ship a specific ship that is analog and is not connected to the rest of starfleet so they go back to the fleet museum which jordy laforge is a curator of and he has rebuilt the Enterprise D. And it was so emotional seeing the original crew of the Enterprise D standing there in the bridge. And it was a faithful recreation. It looked so good. Uh, there, were, there, there was none of those two side consoles that were in the Generations movie. It was a legit recreation of the Enterprise D bridge. And I loved it. And I cannot wait until this week to see how it all ends. Because I think there's going to be some really explosive stuff. And yeah, it's it's going to be great. Ren, would you like to go retrieve John, please? Yeah. And thank you. Can I come in? You can, yes. I have, I have done spoiling the masses. I'm cold and there are wolves after me. All right. So uh, here's, here's the whole thing. I, I have to ask this question because... Uh, my friend Mark is, is kind of on me about this. Could I watch seasons? Picard was not available to me. I didn't have the, the streaming service that I could watch any of the seasons. So I've not seen a single season of Picard. Can I watch season three without having seen season two or one? Yeah, yeah you can. They fill in enough of the blanks that you would get it. Okay. And in all honesty, seasons who's skippable anyway. Okay. I'm going to have to check this out, I guess, sooner rather than later, so I can listen to the podcast when we're done. <laughs> All right, Nick, what's next? Uh, so, the WWE, and I've been talking about this for a while now, the WWE has finally been sold. It has been, <laughs> it's been sold to a company called Endeavor, which also owns the UFC. Now, the funny thing about Endeavor is that whenever <laughs> WWE releases a, a superstar... They tweet out, we wish them the best on their future endeavors. So I find that kind of delicious. But I, also, anyway. I also find it funny that you're using the term Endeavor because Endeavor is actually a British TV show about uh, a cop that solves murders and his name is Endeavor. Oh, that's hilarious. No, uh, um, no, no, Nick, you mentioned this before and I'm just, I'm giving you like the, 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 the ringing of the bell that you have won the lottery on this one. You called this, I'm, I know I'm sort of oversimplifying it, but did not Vinnie Mac find a way to basically sell the company yet remain in control of it as sort of a CEO kind of thing. So he's going to be an executive with Endeavor, uh, which will change the company name soon, apparently. And he also remained chairman of WWE. Bingo! And the really, really hilarious thing, I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews or any pictures of Vince McMahon recently, 
but dude has dyed his hair black. He's dyed his eyebrows. He's got this weird pencil mustache over his lip. It's dark brown. He looks weird. He, lo he looks, honestly, he looks like he should be having Paul Heyman dress up as Muttley and him... <laughs> Like that, he really he looks like a cartoon he looks villain. Like dastardly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a weird thing. Slightly whiplash. Yeah, he looks so weird now. And somebody made somebody uh made the comparison when when Walt Disney was was trying to get all the land to make Disney World. He had dyed his hair and all that stuff. And Vince McMahon, who has often considered himself to be the Walt Disney of wrestling, <laughs> kind of looks the way Walt did when when he was doing his business for for Disneyland. So. It's interesting. We don't know in what way this is going to go because Endeavor has said they're going to merge WWE and UFC. Now, I don't think that means we're going to have WWE and WWE and UFC. That is a mouthful. WWE and UFC on the same show. But I also don't know what that means. We've now. seen some crossovers. I mean, Ken Shamrock did a crossover, did he not? Yeah, but well, like, and but when we have those Robert crossovers. Ronda Rousey. Yeah. It might be easier, from a realistic standpoint, what you might see is UFC wrestler or UFC fighters easily moving from UFC to WWE as kind of a retirement plan. Yeah, I always thought that that was sort of a mistake because the thing of it is, my understanding, of course, is WWE, of course, it's entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. So the outcomes are predetermined. I'm not saying it's not athletic, but oh, yeah, yeah. man. But... The UFC is supposedly supposed to be a real yeah match. UFC is real fighting. So you, to me, I'm wondering if their some of their credibility is going to become suspect. Well, you actually touched on something that I wasn't going to mention, but as you mentioned it, let's talk about it. The outcomes of WWE wrestling. Vince McMahon, pri just prior to the sale, was trying to make it legal in certain states for people to bet on pro wrestling matches specifically with wwe now how that works that's sketchy that's sketchy but it's one of these weird things that he's kind of done that i think helps helped improve the value of WWE because this thing went for about two billion dollars more than it was valued at yeah and they sold it for nine point nine point twenty one billion dollars i believe right and now together ufc and WWE endeavor is worth $21 billion. Like, that's a huge amount of money. The money and, that is out there. Yeah, and it's it's all it's all insane. Now, Triple H has been out on TV. He's addressed the audience to say we're not going anywhere, but other than that, nothing has really been said. Well, you know, my feelings of WWE, it hasn't been good for decades. Yeah. Well, it's been good recently, but with Vince McMahon back, well, we'll see. And on that note, Nick, it is time for our main topic. Aliens, what we're doing this week is we are giving you a summer movie preview. We already started with Renfield. Yep. Out a little bit early, but I mean, usually the summer season starts around May. I think it's the Americans uh, Memorial Day weekend is when they sort of officially kick off summer movies. Yeah, about that. And then kind of end it somewhere around September. We have a huge list to go through. So what's on the top? Well, John, our first movie on May 5th is Marvel's new offering, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Right. Now, I enjoyed the very first Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a little more forgettable, but still was a, a good follow-up. Yeah. The way that the MCU has gone, I'm not sure I care. I can understand that. I'm excited for this one. Um, we got all the main cast returning, but we've also got... Will Poulter joining in as Adam Warlock. And as a comic book fan, I am excited to see Adam Warlock on the big screen and excited to see what they do with him. Yeah, it's always exciting to see like a character that you like and from the comics to the uh, go from page to screen. But I just Phase Boar was terrible. Quantum Ant-Man Quantum Mania wasn't great. I just I don't know where they're going and I just don't care if they're just going to give me mediocrity. That's that's fair. I mean, I, I like the Guardians movies. I'm just worried we might see more of Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you know who knows? I mean, this this is James Gunn. It is uh, a send off to the yeah. Guardians, right? And it'll be an emotional send off because he likes to give us the gut punch, right? So uh, you can never judge a movie without seeing it. Exactly. All right, what's next? We have Fast X on May nineteenth. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll run that one down for you, John. Uh, this movie will have something something fast cars, bang bang, physics defying stunts, and. <laughs> Family. <laughs> I have actually not seen, outside of the very first Fast and Furious movie, I have not seen the rest of them. Why? Because that first one was weird enough for me. And I just sat there and, and they just got, uh, what's the word I want? Stupider? Well, I was going to say bombastic, but okay. <laughs> um, Vin Diesel returns with pretty much the rest of all of the active action stars today. Uh, Jason Momoa joins the cast as the villain. Oh, that's uh, that's always interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing Vin Diesel playing against Jason Momoa. That'll yeah. be fun. And Momoa playing a villain, so I yeah. mean, that'll be interesting. Yeah. You know what? I, you're just going to have to take me one weekend and sit down and have me watch The Fast and the Furious. Yeah, I, yeah, we will do that, and I'm going to have fun doing that, because I can't wait to see your reaction to it. They, they just get dumber as they go along. I know, I've seen the trailers. They go into space in a car. I got nothing for that. I just, I just don't. Oh, my God. What's our next movie? May 26th is The Little Mermaid. So from The Fast and the Furious, we go to The Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all know the story of The Little Mermaid, uh, the Disney story. Uh, a fish out of water story. A fish out, literally, stars Halle Bailey. Javier Bardem and Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. You know, there was a lot of flack given to Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, but based on the trailers that I've seen, I think she's actually going to do a really good job playing Ursula. And that's high praise from you because you're not the biggest Melissa McCarthy fan. No, let me no, let me let me let me clarify that. I'm not a fan of comedians playing dumb Man, in this case, woman, child. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I've never been that kind of person that likes the immaturity of comedy. Um, you know, like, give me something like The Great Outdoors, you know, where it's just John Candy trying to give his family a nice vacation in the woods of Canada or Wisconsin. I can't remember which it is. And his obnoxious brother-in-law showing up with his obnoxious family and hilarity ensues. That's more my my style. This whole... I don't know. I, it's, it's not that I don't think these people are talented. I just don't like the scripts that they tell. Where Melissa McCarthy really shone was in Bridesmaids. Yeah. You know, like that, I thought, was was a great character. She got an Oscar nomination for it. You know, I, I'm not against her. I just, you know, I that's not my brand of comedy. That's fair. Because I, I saw her in a, a dramatic movie, and she was great. See, I've always liked her. Um, my first introduction to her was Bridesmaids. But after Bridesmaids, I actually sat down and watched Gilmore Girls, which she's in. And she's fantastic as yeah. Suki. I love her in that. Yeah, and she, her cousin is Jenny McCarthy. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's the type of crap I would know. <laughs> wow, really? That's that's neat. So once again, without seeing it, we don't know, but uh, these Disney live-action remakes haven't really been the greatest. So we'll, we'll have to see. I, th I think that the cast is talented. Yeah. And if they stick with this basic Little Mermaid story, it should be all right. I'm still sore that Terry Crews is not King Triton. <laughs> I think that would have been amazing, but what, Javier Bardem is a fantastic actor. He'll do a great job. Okay, what's next on our list, Nick? We have a doubleheader on June 2nd. We have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, so Miles Morales is back for some multiverse adventures. I liked that very first one, It was, and it won the Best Animated Oscar, as it should have. So we've got um, we've got the original returning cast. We've also got Issa Rae joining as Spider-Woman and Oscar Isaac as Spider-Man 2099. You know, that's a good way of bringing Spider-Woman yeah. to the MCU. Yeah, I think so too. And one of the cool things is, as a fan of the Spider-Man video game, in the trailer, you see Spider-Cop, which is referenced multiple times in that game. And it's just, it's a funny little Easter egg for the video game fans. You know, I, I this is where I wish the MCU would go in a way. I love these animated Into the Spider-Verse. That's that's great. But 
could you not, MCU, since you've already opened up the multiverse, give us a, an organic diversity movie with a live-action Miles Morales Spider-Man? I would love to see live-action Miles Morales. Um, the neat thing about playing the video games is that it's it's a different... You get to spend time with the character in a different way than you do in the comic book or in a movie. And right. playing the Miles Morales video game, it was a really neat way to spend time with that character, and it made me yearn for a live-action film even more. Yeah, my only criticism of the movie is this, okay? Because... The trailer that I've seen for Into the Spider-Verse 2, let's just call it that, um, the animation style looks the same as Into yeah. the Spider-Verse, which was a glorious, wonderful animation if you don't have epilepsy and are not triggered by flashy flashy. Fair enough. So that's kind of my, my, my caveat is that you really got to be careful because I, I hope they put out warnings for that sort of thing. I think they're starting to in theater now. Yeah, because you really do need that. And what's the second part of that doubleheader? The Boogeyman, the newest adaptation of one of Stephen King's works. Right, we did a trailer trash to The Boogeyman. Yep. I reread that yeah. uh, short story. It is still epically frightening, but Stephen King wrote in a way that was very 1970s <laughs> at the time, so there was definitely going to have to be some updates. Uh, movie stars Sophie Thatcher... Chris Messina and my boy David Dasmalchin, which I'm looking forward to seeing in this because I'm I'm liking that he's getting more roles. He played uh, the polka dot man in Suicide Squad. He was in Ant Man movies, yeah. all that stuff. He's your boy, is he? He's my boy. But then again, so is Jason Momoa, so is Jason Statham. Listen, whatever, I'll there. tell you this much: that the Boogeyman is a terrifying short story. The ending is just the best part of Stephen King's warped horrific brain um so i i kind of hope that the ending of the movie is the same as the ending of the short story because it it gives you all of those leaving the theater scared vibes i'm looking forward to it. i i like most of the movies i'm gonna say most because langoliers was trash but most of the movies based off well, of stephen king's Langoliers time, was a it was a made for tv i know short series kind of thing, limited series, however they want to put it. But the, the thing is with, with Stephen King is that it it's it's one of those things where having read some of these short stories, they're nothing at all like the movies. And um, if you read uh, Night Shift and, and see the movie, there's characters that don't even exist in the, in the story. Yeah. And whoever adapted that, it's like, wow. You wrote like Stephen King very, very well because the the uh, Brad Dourif character of the Exterminator isn't in the story. Oh, really? And yet in the movie, it's fantastic. So I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, you can't go wrong with Stephen King. You just can't. The trailer looks great. I can't wait to see it. I love watching horror films in the theater, and I love seeing Stephen King adaptations. Right. Speaking of horror films, what's next? Transformers Rise of the Beast. Why is that a horror film? <laughs> I just wanted to needle you with it because uh, okay. I know you love the Transformers. You know I do. In this one, Optimus Prime and the Autobots team with their descendants, the Maximals, who can turn into animals to defeat Scourge and the Terrorcons. I'm looking forward to this. The voice cast looks fantastic. Peter Cullen is back as Optimus Prime. We have Michelle Yeoh as Air, as Air Razor. Peter Dinklage as Scourge. And Ron Perlman as the Beast himself, Optimus Primal. I cannot wait. You know, those are really good voice actors, really well-known actors. I think that that's marvelous. I have seen the trailer. Special effects look great. But it's just, to me, it's another Transformer movie. This the When the, the Beasts came out, I wasn't interested. I was an adult by then. So I'm not trying to rip on anybody's nostalgia. It's something I'm not invested in. When Beast Wars came out, uh, actually, neat little trivia thing. In Canada, they couldn't make reference to the word war. So in Canada, Beast Wars was called Beasties. When that came out, I was 12. And I fell in love with all of it right then right. and there. It became, it was my Wednesday night ritual. And I just loved the crap out of it. It's cool to see Ron Perlman as Optimus Primal. Because if they're going to go for a big name actor, I think that's the best one. Right. Um, 
it's not going to be the same story as the car as the cartoon obviously but i'm still excited it's going to be cool to see uh it's going to be cool to see primal it's going to be cool to see Rhinox and Cheetor. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it should do well at the box office, especially with all the Transformer fans. Now we're going back to the House of Mouse again, aren't we? Yes, we are. From the studio that dared to ask, what if toys had feelings? What if cars had feelings? And even what if feelings had feelings comes a movie that asks, what if elements had feelings? Oh, my <laughs> Elemental gosh. comes out on June 16th from Pixar. You know, uh, Pixar and... Disney, they're not hitting home runs. I mean, this just seems like a retread of the same old, same old, same old. Just, it's elements instead. It's essentially Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, I, as told by Pixar. There are, like, I like the Pixar movies overall. There are outliers that I've seen, like Cars 2. I did not like that. I barely like Cars, but... Toy Story movies, um, The Incredibles, I loved Inside Out, I really, really enjoyed Homeward, I thought that was great. They they have good movies, but overall, yeah, recently, it hasn't been great. It's, it's just, the problem I'm having with modern animation, and Pixar's doing the same thing, is it all looks the freaking same. I mean, even though Don Bluth had a style, and Chuck Jones had a style... Those styles evolved. Yeah. The characters were were done in such a way that they were unique looking, you know, and it just didn't all fit that mold. When you look at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Sleeping Beauty and, you know, Disney and his Imagineers would always try some sort of new technique, which made the movie stand out a little bit, you know. So whereas modern movies, particularly Pixar, it's like, to the computer! All right, they're round, they're smiley, they look like this, they have color, and yay, and it's the same story, but with yeah. some different character that we think we can market and make a toy out of. Bye! Yeah, that's basically it. They're looking to sell toys. Yeah, uh, obviously. I, I can't say too much because I have dwindled as a Disney fan over the years. One of the cool things about it is Catherine O'Hara is a voice in it, and that just kind of ties up the cast. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I love Catherine O'Hara. Uh, I, I loved her in Beetlejuice, loved her in, in um, I can't say it, actually, in <coughs> Creek. <laughs> just everything she's done, I've loved. I've loved her voice work. Um, yeah, I mean, she, and, and she's a, a Tim Burton staple and a Christmas staple. She just, she yeah. does... Her characters so well. I remember being a kid and watching the old reruns of SCTV at like 2 o'clock in the morning on YTV. And being like, oh my god, it's the girl from Beetlejuice. (laughs) The girl from Beetlejuice. That would have been Winona. I was a kid, okay. That would have been Winona Ryder. (laughs) Okay, fine. It's the lady from Beetlejuice. (laughs) What's next on our list? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny comes out June 30th. Yeah, we just did a trailer trash video to that, which will be out soon. Yeah, that's right. Indiana Jones is back, and this time he has social insurance. <laughs> and a bad <laughs> so, back. Uh, okay, and so other than... knees and... <laughs> other than the trailer, we don't really know... Other than the trailer, we don't really know what's happening in this film. Uh, but it is directed by James Mangold, who brought us Logan, Walk the Lion, and Identity. Okay, okay. So, sounds somewhat promising. Look, it, it's an Indiana Jones film. Uh <laughs> Gen X, Millennials, we're going to love it uh, or hate it. I'm not sure which, but we will go see it. And be sure to check out our trailer trash with Indiana Jones when it comes out. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, Harrison Ford is back alongside John Rhys-Davies. And they're bringing Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, and Antonio Banderas with them. You know what? That's a spectacular cast. That really is. Mads Mickelson, oh my god! Yeah, I cannot wait to see the dynamic between him and Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yes, yeah. uh, and, and even what the connection is there, you know. So that's going to be a really, really fascinating watch. I think. I can't wait. What's next on our list, Nick? July seventh is Insidious Chapter Five. Okay, why? Because money, John. Is, that's why. Is Lynn Shay in this one? No, she's dead, dude. She was dead after the first one, and she did three other movies. Well. Uh, 
The, the but way prequels, prequels, John, but prequels. The, the way that they wrote it, it was always very interesting in how they brought her into it, right? So, the t I'm sorry, this is Lynn Shea's franchise now. Like, so, just like Elise Rainier is the character. Fair enough. There is no point to this. Fair enough. Um, this one does see Ty Simpkins return as Dalton Lambert, the little boy from the first movie. Oh, so he's and an adult now? He's an adult now going into college. And it's also going to be directed by Patrick Wilson, which will be at least somewhat interesting. Rose Byrne's back, Patrick Wilson's back. So uh, I guess it's been years since we've exercised the demon and nothing has happened. But you're going off to college, which is traumatic, and the demon comes back. Darth Maul has returned to your soul. Listen, I I like the first three Insidious movies. I think The Last Key was a piece of crap. But the I, first three were good. You know, The Last Key actually just tied it all in, so I didn't mind it at all. But I, it should have ended there. There's no more story to tell. I always love how Hollywood sits there and goes, No, no, there's more story to tell because we have money to be had. Someone's probably going to lose a license right some unless they do this. So yeah, well, you know what we've we've got to stop giving them our money. Now again, I can't judge it. I haven't seen it because the first time I saw the first Insidious scared the crap out of me, and I'm spooky Uncle John. Yeah, the the scene where the lipstick man, as he's affectionately called in the credits, is sitting behind the woman and just appears there. Oh my god, I just jumped. Oh, are you talking about when uh, Barbara Hershey and Patrick yeah. Wilson are having the discussion and he's just like right behind? Yeah, yeah I know, right? Yeah. Uh, and th th it had a lot of things that personally creeped me out. There was a lot of shadow play. Yeah. There was a lot of um, like just sudden things. Like there was that whole scene that involved a ceiling fan. And I was fine. I had seen, I watched the movie and went, oh, that was frightening. I was scared while I watched it. It was great. I went off, uh, this was in the afternoon. I went off and I did my day. I even watched another movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I went to the movies to see a, a Steven Spielberg movie that he had put out. I came home. I got into bed. It was the summertime. I looked up. There's my ceiling fan. And I went, nope. And <laughs> I rolled over. And there's, there's my window, and you, you know in the first Insidious, the, the one ghost or demon or whatever walks past the window, and I went, nope, I'm going to be awake tonight. <laughs> That's all there is to it. It really genuinely scared me. Yeah, it is an actual scary movie. Now, afterwards, I, I calmed down, and I've seen it since, but uh, yeah, my, my whole thing is, Nick, I love Lynn Shea. I think that she is an underrated acting treasure. She's been in so many of the properties that we've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I don't know. I again, I can't judge a movie without having seen it. But sometimes you start flogging a dead horse. Maybe they're trying to bring some life into it. You know, surefire way of of having success at the box office is doing a known franchise, and yet here we are complaining. I want something fresh and new. Well, and that that's kind of it. Also, with horror films, horror series, the. The, the what they spend on them is a lot less than what the return is. So yeah, um, typically. Although I think with the Insidious movies, they they seem to have a bit of a bigger budget. Um, and I will say you do get I do get a little confused sometimes. Insidious is not the same as the Conjuring. Series. No, it's not. No, and it's the not. Conjuring series is like Insidious has been pretty consistent across the board. Yes, the last key was not its best outing but it was still better than a lot of those Conjuring movies. That's true. That is true. All right, what's next, Nick? Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 comes out July 14th. <laughs> this has got to be Tom Cruise saying farewell to this. I'm thinking that these Dead Reckoning films is going to be Tom Cruise's last films in the Mission Impossible. He's in his 60s. How, how many more times can he jump off of a plane? You know what, Like, the actually him... Jump off a plane. But you know what? Like, I, I got to say, kudos to Mr. Cruz. Looks damn fine for being in his 60s. That is true. That is true. Like, th that guy has just taken... My body is a temple to its to an art form. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, he is fit. He is um, just as Tom Cruise-y as he's ever been. You know, like I, I, I you got to give him props no matter what you think about the guy. You got to give him yeah. props for that. And he had the <laughs> off of, uh, 
<laughs> Top Gun, top movie of the year. Yeah, no kidding. Um, like that that thing grossed uh, a lot, and it was a it was like probably one of the best movies I'd seen in a long time. My problem with the Mission Impossible movies is after a while they start again all looking the same. I cannot tell you the plot of any particular one of them other than they're fun to watch at the time, but I leave it and it's like, uh, you know, the old joke about uh, a Chinese meal, you know, Chinese food and you're hungry an hour later. Well, you watch a Mission Impossible movie and an hour later I couldn't tell you what it was about. There you go. Um, Tom Cruise is obviously back along with Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg returning as well. And you know what? These are great actors. Yep. I love Simon Pegg. Love Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames is such a humble guy, which you wouldn't think he is. But, you know, like, let's talk about Ving Rhames just for a minute. Let's go back to when Zack Snyder made good movies. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. And he did the, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yep. Ving Rhames sold that movie. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, Sarah Pauly was fantastic in it. All the actors were great in it. You had Matt Frewer, you know, you, you, you had... Uh, the great uh, Canadian character actress Jane Eastwood was in it. This was really a well-done movie. But Ving Rhames, right from the start, when Sarah he meets Sarah Polly after she's been in her car accident, and you know he's got a gun pointed to her head, like you know that this guy is going to be one of the main heroes. He's not the main character, but he's certainly the main hero of the movie. Yeah. And he does it so bloody well. Mm -hmm. There, I don't think Ving Rhames has really done anything that I don't like. Um, as far as his roles go, whether whether the movie or not, I don't know. But um, even going back to Pulp Fiction, uh, he's, yeah. he's fantastic in that. Well, I think he's like Terry Crews in a way. He doesn't really take himself too seriously, but he takes his craft seriously. Yeah. You know, and these guys are, are like, they're, they're big, strong men. You know, like the, the muscles on these guys. You would think that they would be, you know, just meat-hungry, savage guys, right? You know, they're, they're just going to go out there and they could just throw you against the wall and just pound you, right? Yeah. But they're such sweet teddy bears. Well, it's the same thing when Michael Clark Duncan was alive. Like, yeah. he looked like a He was a beast. Yeah. And he's apparently was one of just one of the sweetest guys well, ever. Well, these guys are mountains, but they're also very sweet and lovable. And we love them all the more for it. So, I mean, yeah, it, this has been a good franchise for all the people involved. I think it's a good watch. I think it's fun and exciting. But I just don't find them that memorable. That's fair. Maybe because of the quantity of them. I'm going to be honest with you, the very first Mission Impossible um, movie I went to see in theater, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember which one it was? Yeah, the first one. The very first oh, one. Oh, well, that's that's because you must have been tired. I I was a kid. I don't know. But anyway, but anyway. Um, this one I'll see. I really do want... I, I've, I've missed the last couple ones. I need to get caught up on them. Well, Nick, from, from bombastic to bombshells, here we go. Barbie comes out on July 21st. This movie includes an all-star cast as we go through the world of Barbie. Going by the trailer, it looks hilarious. I can't wait. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't wait to see the Barbie uh, movie. It is trending to be the big movie of the summer. It does look like it. And you know what? I'm here for it. I love Margot Robbie. I really do, you know. I, I'm a little bit uh, aghast at some of the criticism that Ryan Gosling is getting. Like, Really? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. I, I am, I'm not privy to this. Oh, aren't you? Oh, my God. People are trending all over it. He's too old to be playing Ken. Why do you have an old man playing Ken? It's a plastic doll. I'm like, he looks like a Ken doll. Yeah. Ryan Gosling literally looks like a Ken doll. It's called acting. Like, you know... And it's just like, oh man, like it's I just, I, I I don't get it, but you know what? I think it's going to be a fun movie to watch. I It's got some adult humor in it. We've seen that from the trailer, um, but I think it's one of those adult humors that's going to surf right over your yeah. kid's head you yeah, know exactly and when you when you have your when you have your eight-year-old going i'll beat you both off oh my god that's that's for you as the parents to sort out so as you mentioned it's got a great cast we have margot robbie as barbie we have emma mackey as barbie we have kate mckinnon as barbie ryan gosling as ken simo lou as ken 
John <laughs> Cena as Ken, and Michael Sarah as Alan. <laughs> but, it just kills me. But is Midge in there? I don't know who Midge is. And, and, and I told you, it's Barbie's little sister. Is um, She's had so many little sisters. Oh, I know. It, well, now, what does Will Ferrell play? Because he's not playing Ken. So I checked on IMDb. Apparently, he plays the Mattel CEO. So I called it. I'm assuming, as I mentioned in, the, in our trailer trash for it, yep. I'm assuming that his role is going to be very similar to that of uh, Lord of Business from the Lego movie. Okay. Quite Which makes po- sense. Quite possibly. All I can say is right now we've got... Two cisgendered white middle-aged dudes stoked about a Barbie movie. I'm not middle-aged yet. Yeah, you are. Oh, I'm God. sorry. You're old, dude. <laughs> You're pushing 40. I'm sorry. You're middle-aged. All right. Well, want to talk about the next movie? Let, yes, let's. Disney's Haunted Mansion comes out on July 28th. Oh, what is it with Disney? Oh, my God. Okay. The Haunted Mansion is my favorite ride of all times at a Disney park. Um, the Eddie Murphy movie was bad, um, but it had all of the. I don't. I've seen it. It a, had a all of the times. things I in it. I don't remember. It had all of the things in it, right? Um, yeah. So, what is different about this Haunted Mansion? I honestly, I I don't know what's different about it. A single mom hires a psychic, a priest, a tour guide, and a historian to exercise her home. I don't know why the tour guide is is exercising the home, but here we are. The draw for for me is the cast: Rosario Dawson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Danny DeVito, and Winona Ryder. What's Jamie Lee Curtis playing? Do I does it say? I believe Jamie Lee Curtis is a psychic. Okay, so it's a great cast. Yeah, doesn't mean it's going to be a great script. The cat, the cast is enough of a draw for me. I will I at mean, least go see it. Let's face it. I will give it a chance based on the, the cast. The other haunted mansion had Eddie Murphy and Terrence Stamp, and you know, um, but they had Terrence Stamp at a point where he was just like, "Yeah, I'm going to do this for money." None, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a far cry for me because the original announcement was wasn't Guillermo del Toro going to be behind doing a haunted mansion movie? I don't even know anymore. Guillermo del Toro has backed out of so many projects. Yeah. Uh, optimistic. Cautiously I, optimistic for me. I, the, reason, the reason I'm going to be hard on this is because I love the Haunted Mansion so much. Yeah. Like, I love everything about it, and I just wish that they would do... I, I mean, I, here's what I will do. Like, honestly, when I've been to Disney World... I get on the Haunted Mansion, right? Right as soon as that's open. Boom, I'm on it. Get off of it. Go around. Go on it again. Do it that at least five times. I love the Haunted Mansion. I love it. So what you're saying is if I ever finally make it to Disney World, I go on the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, for okay. sure. But the, the thing of it is, it's like, I, I was with a friend uh, one time, and my friend's like, well, this is how they do this, and this is how they do that. And I finally said, no, no, you know how they do it? It's magic. Shut up. <laughs> you know, like I just... I don't want to know how they do it. I want to live the fantasy of the ghosts, right? I mean, I know how they do it. I know about Pepper's ghost. I know all about that kind of stuff, right? I don't want to. I just want to enjoy it and be a kid. It's the first thing I remember when I went to Disneyland, when my aunt and uncle were living in Downey, California, and I went to Disneyland, and I have a very clear memory of my dad and I sitting in the dune buggy, and it spins around to the hitchhiking ghost, and there's the ghost in between us. And when you're a six-year-old kid, (gasps) Oh, wow. So, I mean, this is, I, I, you know, as I go back throughout my life, I start to see where spooky Uncle John started to be born, you know. But with, with what you're describing to me, I kind of feel like the the execs at Disney said, this is the idea what we have. And somebody said, we can't do that. And the execs were like, yeah, we'll find a way because all of that sounds impossible. No, Imagineering is, is barn Like Disney has always been known for its special effects. At some point, we're going to talk about Disney. Yeah. You know, because uh, we have to. I mean, yeah. it is one of the leaders of pop culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've we've been putting that off long enough, I think. But I, I just want them to make a good movie. I'm encouraged. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Coming yep. off of her Oscar win. I mean, Rosario Dawson is always fun to watch. Yeah, I love her. Um, You know, like there's all kinds DeVito. of... Yeah. DeVito, like... I mean, DeVito has his set of stinkers, but I think this 
group of, of actors will be good together. Right. Okay, well, you know what? I will definitely go see it because, well, it's my favorite thing. Indeed. I'm cautiously optimistic, like I said. All right, what's next, Nick? August 4th, we have The Meg 2, The Trench. Now, John, The Meg book series is one of my favorite book series of all time. I have, I love them. They are, they're fun. They're, they're ridiculous at times, but they're just a ton of fun. The Meg movie was not the most faithful adaptation of the book, but it was still pretty good. This one's going to be interesting because we don't, we haven't seen anything about this. There's been no trailers. I haven't seen any screen caps of it. No, we don't know what the, the official plot is, but if it follows the book in any way, it will follow Angel, which is the offspring of the original Meg, as it tears up the West Coast of North America. Um, Jason Statham is returning for more giant shark hijinks, so that's that's a plus. It's a giant shark. <laughs> Just keep swimming. Oh my god! But I I'm I'm optimistic for this because I really like the first one. I like the book series as a whole. I might tap out when they get to Hell's Aquarium if they if they ever make that a movie. But as of right now, I'm excited. Um, I enjoyed the Meg. I enjoyed watching it. I think that that movie did have some missed opportunities. Like I said, the they did not give me the thing that just would have made me love the movie, which was the idea of the Meg just coming up with because you saw it on the poster. All these people are just like they're in their their unicorn floaties and they're just floating around having a good time in the hot. I what were they off the coast of Korea or something like, yeah, something that? like that? You know, uh, in the hot sun or whatever. And the poster gave you the vibe that the Meg was just going to come up and just swallow them like a whale getting krill. Yeah. And that never happened. That did not happen. And I think that that was a mistake. However, also, though, it was still an enjoyable action movie. I think for me as a fan of the book, I think the biggest mistake was not killing the shark the way they did it in the book. How'd they do it in the book? Jonah pilots his little submarine right into the shark's mouth, gets out of his cockpit, crawls through the the shark's throat, and cuts out his heart. It is the most badass thing ever. It is amazing. And they didn't show that on screen. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Shut up. That was awesome. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) His name's Jonah. Yeah, his name's Jonah in the in the movie as well. Jonah in the movie. Yeah, Jonah in the shark. Jonah in the Meg. Oh yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Listen, just because I I find something stupid doesn't mean I don't find it enjoyable. All right. Uh, what's next for us, Nick? Also on August fourth is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Um, another, all, another one you're probably excited. I'm for. so excited for this. Uh, all we know so far, fourteen brothers who also happen to be turtles. Face down an army of mutants in New York. It looks good. It has a hell of a voice cast. You got Giancarlo Esposito, Rose Byrne, Jackie Chan, John Cena, Seth Rogen, and Paul Rudd. John Cena's in everything, it seems. It seems that way, yes. Yeah, you can't see him, though. No, but, it's, uh, you know, that, that joke is so old. I don't stale. care. But, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is, like, I, th- I feel like John Cena is either being... Very smart or not being very picky. I'm not sure which. Because it's just like, it's like here's a paycheck. And he says, great, let's go. Let me have some fun. I think... like he, look, The things he's doing are fun things. Yeah. I think part of it is, if you look at some of the people that he's acting with, I think he's found his group of people that he likes right. to work with. Right. And that's what he's doing. And you know what? All the power to him. He deserves well, it. Well, the, listen, you and I have both been actors. We've both done things. I really think that, uh, you know... If he's doing it because it's fun and he's getting paid for it, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I like to do projects that are going to be fun for me to do. Yeah. You know? Um, I I have to say this, though. I mean, like, I know you're a big Ninja Turtles fan, so I think there's some rose-colored glasses on here. The animation is not good. I do, I, not, like, I do not like the style of animation that they've done. I dig the, the style of animation because it does look different. It um, is different, but I, it doesn't look good. I saw the trailer last night. It does not look good. I dig it. I don't know. I like it. It's But are you digging it because it's Ninja I'm, Turtles? It has a very blinders, It or? has a very comic book feel to the art, okay. which is what I like. Okay. Uh, so that's fair. I'll give you that. I was I, you know, I I want traditional animation again. 
that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this is something I would go see. That's fair. Yeah. I'll be there. I know you will. With bells on. I know you Let will. Let me be tell there. you. And, and you know what? I may have to go with it because it's probably something that we'll have to talk about on the podcast. Quite possibly, yeah. So the next movie is one that I know that you are looking forward to. August 11th, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I was looking forward to that. You was? I mean, I, you were? I was looking forward to that. Oh. I saw the full trailer last night. I have to say it looks very typical. Okay. So what The Last Voyage of the Demeter is, aliens, if you don't know, is that they've taken a segment of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is Dracula coming from Transylvania over to England. Yes, by boat. And there is a ship's log in there that is very descriptive as to what happens in the three or four days it takes for the Demeter to get from Varna to, to England. Um. And so they've taken that and they've decided to do a movie just on that. So right away, you already know the outcome. That's true. All right. So the thing of it is, they must have changed something. They must have changed a lot of things. In fact, they have changed a lot of things. They have things in there that it's like, well, that's not a faithful adaptation at all. (laughs) Because this is a sailing vessel. Uh, I got news for you. There wouldn't have been a woman on board. Yeah, I was looking at the cast. I'm like... There wouldn't have been a kid on board. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this and I'm going, I don't know what kind of adaptation this is going to be. Now, I will still go see it because I'm a big Dracula fan the whole bit. But we feel it would have been a better movie had it been A24 and had a director like... Um, Robert Eggers or Ari Aster, then yeah. I think you would have a spectacular movie out of The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Right now, I think it's going to be a horror movie. Fair. Just kind of... It's going to be... It, it, the special effects are kind of good. I think the trailer is showing too much, so you don't get that surprise. I think it should have shown a lot less of of Dracula who is basically in... I'm not even issuing a spoiler alert about this because you can see it in the trailer. He's basically in a bat-human form. You know? And that's that was really kind of groovy in Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola with Gary Oldman. Yeah. And, you know, as a one-shot kind of great thing to... Yeah, here's the Oscar for makeup. Go with God. But this thing, uh, it looks kind of digital. It looks kind of... Probably is. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about it because when I first heard about the project, I went, yes, I'm in! Now I'm just like, yeah, I'll go see it. Fair enough. Um, so basically to sum it down, Dracula makes his way from Transylvania to England by boat and gets peckish along the way. Yes. <laughs> we uh, we have Javier Botet as Dracula, who I've never heard of. Uh, and Leon Cunningham and David Dasmalchin again <laughs> yeah. in the cast. I, I don't know. I'm uh, the thing is, nobody, I haven't watched the trailer. I'm no, but neither the thing, here nor the thing is, nobody can survive it. Like no, if if somebody survives, even the kid, like this is why it's a mistake putting a kid in there. Nobody can survive it. Yeah, if they do, you're not telling the story. And that, that's my fear, is that they're not going to tell the story. So far, in my opinion, the best adaptation of the Demeter is the, like, two-minute scene from Dracula Dead and Loving It, where the coffin's going back and forth, back and forth. Well, actually, the, I, I think one of the, the, the best is actually Todd Browning's Dracula with Bela Lugosi and uh, yeah. uh, uh, Dwight Fry. I mean, that that is such a creepy moment when they open up the the hall of the Demeter and they find Renfeld there and he's looking up and he's doing that creepy laugh of (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no um I'll see it yeah just because it is Dracula I love watching vampire films so I'm in okay well that's enough we're we're trashing a lot of this and we haven't we haven't even seen them yet oh so what's next Blue Beetle, August 18th. Yeah, another one we did a trailer trash for yep Uh, a teenager finds a weapon that gives him extraordinary powers and presumably from the trailer, he fights evil with them. Uh, we have Susan Sarandon, George Lopez, and Zolo Maraduena. And that's that's the that's the rundown I have for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I we saw the trailer. We saw the trailer. Uh, it Blue, looks fun. Yeah, Blue Beetle is not one that I'm overly familiar with. Yeah. Uh, so he's a fairly newish superhero as far as as the history of superheroes go. I again, I know him mostly through cartoons. Yeah. Video games. That's about it. Yeah. I haven't really read any Blue Beetle comics. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't either because again, I don't even remember when the Blue Beetle came out. Um, maybe he had a different name. I don't know. But, but from what we've seen of the trailer, and we do have that trailer trash video that's coming out soon. Yeah. Um, I, it looks like it would be an interesting superhero movie to watch. Yeah, I definitely want to see it. It does look like fun, and at yeah. the very, very end of the day, I love because I grew up loving the Giver. I love the idea of a kid getting this, um, mechanical suit that just gives him all these powers, and yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I hope that it's it's done in a way that he has to figure it out. Like the first Shazam movie. Uh, yeah. Like it was fantastic because like, what's a kid going to do with these powers? He's going to do all kinds of stupid things with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to charge your cell phone. There you go. And you're charging your charge. Because they don't know they don't know what to do with these Blows things. Up. But even when he found out that he had bullet immunity, it's like, you have bullet immunity. Oh, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I, I kind of, it's always interesting when they do these where the person gets the powers. Then all of a sudden it's like, I know exactly what to do with my stuff and I can take on the world. And it's like, well, I, I got the impression from this that it's not going to be that easy for him, that he's got a lot of things that he's going to have to figure out. And what's interesting is that along with these superpowers, comes the ability to suddenly be able to fight. Yes. Well, I mean, with with Blue Beetle, that'll make a little bit more sense because he's, um, it has, it, it basically downloads all this knowledge to him. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at other superheroes, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stick with the DCU, but if you, or DC Comics, if you look at the other superheroes, um, Batman trained. Yeah. Aquaman was uh, the leader of his nation of Atlantis and uh, a warrior in his yeah. own right. Wonder Woman comes from a, a from war- warrior yeah. tribe of women. Uh, Clark Kent grew up on a farm. Um, pretty sure he knows how to defend himself. Yeah. Pretty sure he knows how to do things. N- figured out his superpowers all throughout his childhood and youth. Got great advice on how to utilize yeah. them. So there was a certain amount of either long training involved well actually in all those cases long training involved uh, as compared to somebody like Hal Jordan who's like here's a ring figure out how to use it bye that is pretty much it yeah here's a ring don't misuse it thank <laughs> you bye uh- <laughs> see I know uh <laughs> but yeah so I but I out of all of these ones I think blue like blue beetle seems to me a little bit more exciting because it seems a little fresher and newer to me than, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, the MCU uh, and their crap of late, which has made me it's leery of G3. It's nice to see something that is not the 8 billion reboot of Batman or Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. So, from the Blue Beetle to... The Conjuring Universe, which you had mentioned earlier. I did. September 8th, we have the sequel to The Nun. It's called The Nun 2. The hell you say? I know, right? Yeah. Tessa, How original. No idea what happens in this one. Tessa Formiga returns for the sequel to the 2018 film, and it furthers the progression of The Conjuring Universe. Um, Bonnie Aarons also returns as The Nun, obviously. She is great. She is. She Listen... Regardless of whether or not the scripts are good or bad, this actress, as this character, is everything. Yep. The character itself has become a horror icon, in spite of bad scripts. Yeah. I will see it because I'm interested in The Nun, and I hope they do something better than they did in the first Nun movie. Which I described as, dude, you you and I both saw that. It was boring as crap. Yep. Um, and I remember describing it thusly. Imagine going through all of phase one and phase two to get to Infinity War with Thanos. And instead of Thanos, the Grimace from McDonaldland shows up. Pretty much. 
it was just that much of a joke of a movie. Nothing like the actress was fine as the nun. She's great. Atmosphere was fine. Atmosphere was great. Nothing wrong with the cast. Just the story. The character deserves better, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this movie gives it. Yeah, I want that character to be a real badass. I want it to frighten me the way that they they frighten me in that universe with Annabelle demons, you know? Yeah. Not the last Annabelle movie. That was so Annabelle bad. comes home and does nothing for 90 minutes, and then we oh, all leave. Oh, that was so bad. But that, that one Annabelle movie that you freaked out Creation. Of, oh, my. That was that, good. That was frightening. And... I just, that movie was cold. I want to get back to those levels, you know? And we saw a hint of the nun in that. Yeah. They'd been building up to her. We saw her in... I, I forget which which one it is. I'll have to go back and, and do... I mean, you know, maybe I'll do a, a Conjuring... Nun's been, nun's been in it since the first. Yeah, maybe I'll do a Conjuring theme for the my Friday Night Fright Flicks yeah. that I do on Facebook. But, uh, yeah, the I, I, I will go see it because... I'm interested to see what they do with that character, but please don't make me waste my money or scene points. Yeah. I adore Tessa Farmiga. I love the character of the nun. I love the look of it. I love the feel of it. But the last movie did not leave me feeling good about it. I'm just hoping to do something good with this one. Well, Nick, the last movie on our list is one that surprised me is yeah. even kind of made. This, this kind of came out of nowhere. So also on September 8th, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't know what more story they can tell with My Big Fat Greek Wedding series. Because, okay, here's the thing. I went to see the My Big Fat Greek Wedding in theaters when it first came out. Right. Fantastic movie. Hilarious. You know, just, it's, it's wonderful. I loved every minute of it. It was a huge hit. Big enough that they decided, hey, I'm going to make uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, which was... Not as good. I never saw the sequel. Sequels are generally not as good. It's forgettable. I remember everything about my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Don't remember much about my Big Fat Greek Wedding, too. And they even did a one-season short-lived television series. Oh, I remember. So here's... This is my whole point. It's like, th that horse is dead. Yeah, we're going to... We'll find out if the nostalgia train has, le has left the station at this point. Because that's all this... That's all this can be running on. Well, it's well, it's got to be, but or you know the fact that it's like near Vardalos is like I, I need another hit. I, this was a hit. I'm gonna write it again. Yeah. I mean, she's savvy. She's smart. She's funny. She's talented. She's uh, you know done some really great things. But I don't know who's asking for this or what story they could possibly tell. I'll tell you what. Why don't we just go back to the '80s and we'll uh, we'll have Steve Martin do. The grandfather of the bride. <laughs> and we can just start remake. Oh, you know what I mean. You know what or I mean. the jerk two, three, whatever. Oh. Like, I don't know. It's, I, I, again, we can't judge any of these because we haven't seen them. But from what I'm seeing in all of our entire list here, there's not a lot for me to be excited about. I have my movies I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, but the, I know I could tell, like, obviously it was going to be Transformers and Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I mean, you're the, the, you're the type of person that um, if it's your property that you're invested in, you're going to be excited for. And you're kind of going to, like you did with Ghostbusters, put the rose-colored glasses on. Yeah. I mean, you have to admit that. Uh, I'm a little more of a critical drinker in a way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know... I, I I question things. I uh, I don't really want another Star Wars property. Um, you know, like I I know I I guess Disney Plus is the place for them. I haven't yeah. checked out Andor yet. I haven't. I just I'm tired of it. Uh, and maybe you'll get there too. I don't know, but you know, like I I think you get to a certain point in your life where you're just like, I've seen it all before. What's going to be new here? And now I'm starting to go back in time to find things that I hadn't seen before or don't know of or didn't know of where mm -hmm. I, I mentioned my friend Marketa, yeah. where she comes in handy because on Shudder is V or Vi. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. A Polish film about, um, and you know, the, the visuals in it are spectacular. Um, a witch dies and she sort of lays in state and this young monk has to be there for the whole three nights that she's laying in state to kind of keep her at bay from coming back. Mm -hmm. And it's the visuals for the time, because it's made in the 60s. It's fantastic. It's like an old uh, Hammer horror film. But I'd never seen it because it's a foreign movie. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just 
those are the kind of things that I want to try and find now. Things like the white reindeer from Finland. Um, things like On the Silver Globe. You know, these movies that I, are old, yes, but are unfamiliar to us. Yeah. And I, I just, I want to go back and watch a bunch of Vincent Price movies now and whatever, because you don't get movies like that now. All we get is like cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste. Here we go. Throw it out there and hope it makes us money. Out of all of this, in, is there anything in that list other than perhaps um, the Spider-Man movie, like the cartoon movies, right? Yeah. The cartoon movies could possibly be nominated for Best Animated Feature. But out of all of these other movies, do you see anything that would garner any kind of Oscar attention at all? Not, sure. that, not that an Oscar is the benchmark. I, I mean... Yeah, I know what you mean. There, there have been some movies that have gotten Oscars that you're just like, well, that was crap. What the hell? Transformers Rise of the Beast, best picture. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a liar. Uh... Yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. Elemental will probably be nominated for something because Pixar's always nominated. Um, Mission Impossible will probably get some kind of editing, whatever. I mean, all honesty, eh, eh, eh. Yeah, it's it's not. I don't know. Maybe maybe you and I expect too much. Maybe I expect too much. Well, I mean, I think with some, like I think with Last Voyages of the Meter, we can expect too much. We can, we can have an expectation for that. I mean, I'm going to go watch Transformers be, uh, Rise of the Beasts. I know what I'm getting. I'm getting a turd wrapped in gold, and I don't give a crap. You know what? I don't think that I I, I expect too much from The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I, I think that they expect very little. And, you know, they tried to make it a little more modern and a little more sanitized instead of making it, you know, like saying, here, Ari Aster, here, Robert Eggers, like somebody of that ilk come make us this A24 type movie and make it spectacular. It should be on the level of the witch. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, but it is what it is. Oh, oh, I forgot one other movie that you're going to be super interested in that comes out in September. Okay. Paw Patrol. If that doesn't get all the Oscars, I don't know what will. <laughs> I knew you'd like it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so uh, painkillers and Paw Patrol on painkillers and Paw Patrol <laughs> at the well, movies, no less. Well, aliens. That is all the time we have for this episode of Area Fifty One and a Half. Uh, Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You jerk. <laughs> Okay, if you want to find us on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter, it's at the Area 51H. You can search for us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a half. And make sure to find us on YouTube as well by searching for Area 51 and a half. Thank you for joining us on our Lightly Bad Aliens. For Rand and Nick and Spooky Uncle John, we're signing off from Area 51 and a half. <laughs>